sex with a minor, authorities said. Louis Condret, uh, Jr., 56, chief felony, um, felony assistant district attorney for nearby Rockwall County and former district attorney for Kaufman County, died Sunday. Mm. The police forced their way into Condrat Terrell's home after hearing a gunshot when he refused to answer the door. The officers found him um, with a self-inflicted gunshot wound, and he later died in a hospital in, Te- in Dallas, about 30 miles west of Terrell. Police in the nearby town of Murphy in uh, Collin County said Condrat solicited sex from a decoy posing online as a 13-year-old. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I was thinking maybe it was like a 17 or 16-year-old or something like that. Yeah. Apparently, uh, Dateline's involved in this. MS, uh, excuse me, NBC News confirmed the sting operation involved Dateline and its To Catch a Predator series and issued the following statement. NBC News Dateline was in Texas reporting on this To Catch a Predator series in conjunction with online watchdog group Perverted Justice in the midst of that effort. Rockwall County Assistant District Attorney Louis Condrat um, contracted Contacted a decoy from Perverted Justice who was posing as a 13-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. Local authorities... A boy, lo- even? Yeah. Was it was a guy... Lewis is a guy. Okay, so he was looking for gay underage sex. Yeah. Well... Interesting. I, I suppose the possibility exists that he was uh, trying to do a little police work. He is, after all, a prosecutor, but then... Oh, you think? He killed himself. No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Um, you asked me. I said, I suppose the possibility yeah. exists. <laughs> Local authorities launched an investigation into his online communications and went to his home with an arrest warrant. In the course of that investigation, he committed suicide. There was no contact wow. whatsoever between Condrat and Dateline at any point in this investigation. Um, police said the Condrat had not gone into the house, but they believed he would. Murphy Mayor Brent Bishop told the newspaper that he hopes his town won't be used again as a trap for child predators. I think it's a noble cause, but our police department is hired to serve and protect our citizens and not to expose them to outside threats. Wait a minute, what? I think this is pretty interesting. The mayor this says, is the mayor? Yeah. The mayor says that he thinks that it's... Um, Take your it's all fine and dandy. operations out of here? Yeah. It's all fine and dandy, but our police department is hired to serve and protect our citizens... And not to expose them to outside threats. I think that's great. I suspect he doesn't live by that word. Those expose words. them to outside threats, meaning what? Fake, fake crap, like fake thirteen-year-olds. I see. I mean, entrapment. To some extent, Condrat killed himself over, you know, being entrapped. I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's entirely entrapment. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it, but it wasn't a real thirteen-year-old. He didn't really commit the crime. Mm-hmm. He only thought he committed the crime. And he knew enough, and he was scared enough about the possible consequences to where he decided he wanted to take his own life. Yeah, which I, I'm sure that the consequences would have been terrible. Um, they probably would have been 10, he would know. He 5, was, 10, 15 years in prison. Yeah, he would know. He was the prosecutor. Mm-hmm. He probably sent a few guys to jail for I'm that. I'm sure he has. I, you know, it, it just kind of goes along with your the, those who scream the loudest. I mean, this guy, I wonder how many people he's put away for this. That's a great question. Yeah. And then all the while, he's the one that's uh, trolling the Internet, looking for little boys. Yeah. It, generally, you don't see our uh, our, our, our uh, rulers, um, the ones that uh, enforce these laws, getting them enforced upon them. But, uh, you know, here it, here it happened. Well, in, in this case, he stumbled right into it. I mean, there was no way they could have really Got let this it. one yeah. lay. Right. I mean, if it was the police department that was doing this on their own, they might possibly have, you know, put this down and just backed away from it, but because the TV crew was involved, because there were outside entities involved, they couldn't, um, in good conscience, um, give the guy a pass right. on this one. Especially with Dateline, oh, with a camera over their right. shoulder. Yeah, exactly. So they had to pursue it. 
and therefore we uncovered the fact that the prosecutor himself is the the individual who, who is looking. Now, look, as far as I'm concerned, if he wants to get online and have a chat with somebody who's really an underage person or posing as an underage person, like Mark Foley did, like this guy did, I don't care. Whatever. Uh, buyer beware. Parents should raise their kids to not go to strange people's houses to uh, to have sexual relations with them. I mean, it's going to happen anyways, and I don't want to pay to put people like this in prison. I mean, I think at worst, they should be ostracized. You know, if if the word comes out that this individual is a sick kind of a perv dude, um, people should be told about that. But should we really be spending money to lock him in jail? Has he really done anything wrong? I don't know. Well, um, I think that uh, I think that having sex with a minor is wrong, um, and I think it should be punished by jail or prison time. Um, but I don't know. Like, this, he didn't do it, you know. And this, that's where sting yeah. operations really get into this gray area for me. The guy didn't talk to a 13-year-old about sex. Not to say that I yeah. think that talking to a 13-year-old, I don't know. The lewd and lascivious gets a little weird. Um, I once had a, a guy I knew, I'm not going to call him a friend because mm-hmm. I talked to him a few times, um, but apparently, and this is, I got this story secondhand, uh, um, I sort of saw it in the newspaper, but, and then a friend of mine told me what happened, quote unquote, okay. um, and they sort of jibed, you know, the, apparently he was uh, living with this woman, so it was his uh, stepkids, he uh, got up out of a chair and his, he fell out of his undershorts that he was uh, sitting um, you know, he's sitting in the chair watching TV in his undershorts. He, he fell out of his undershorts? You mean his unit sort of yes. revealed um, itself. Right. And apparently, I don't know, uh, like the kids took such offense to this because it was like a boyfriend in the house. I don't I know. See. Like the, Not the, step, daddy. the stepdad, yeah. um, you know, leveraged this situation and he went to jail for this. Um, he went to jail because his unit fell out? Lewd and lascivious acts on a minor under a minor under twelve. Wow, that's amazing. Now that's what I was told. I generally tend to believe that the you, know, you take the story and you you rack, ratchet it up a little bit. You know, so I don't know. I mean, maybe he. I I don't know. I mean, I I've just always speculated that in my mind. That doesn't seem sexual more. to me. I mean, if he was uh, man, uh, handling himself in front of the kids, I could see that as being a well. He probably know, did lascivious have act. to handle himself in order to, to get put it back, back in. in. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> but uh, I I don't know. People wow. equate naked and sex all the time. Yeah, and that's wrong. And you generally have to be naked to have sex, or you know, close. And of course, um, you know, again, this issue is based on the age of consent rules, which you and I disagree on. I mean, I think that we should definitely lower the age simply because there are so many people who are getting um, in trouble. This particular prosecutor was in his 50s, uh, but and that's pretty weird. But there are some people who are, you know, 18 that have uh, girlfriends or boyfriends who are three or four years younger than them, in which case they're violating that same law if they have sex with that with that individual and they're going to go to jail. And in some cases, uh, two, we've had stories about teenagers, both underage. Both of them charged, yeah. Both charged with having sex with one another. Well, certainly I don't believe that that should be the case. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, when you're talking about uh, having sexual relations with peers, I don't care if this it's, is why I it's feel two like, nine-year-olds. I, I don't see any reason the law should get involved. Right. This is why I feel like ostracism is the answer, because then the surrounding community can each make their own judgment calls on this. For instance, if you've got the case with the, the two 15-year-olds that had sex with one another, both consenting, even though the law says that people under the age of 18 can't consent, 
Obviously, they did, because they both consented. They're both under the age. Mm-hmm. You know, that way, it's not some zealous prosecutor saying, well, this is the law, and we're going to prosecute you, and uh, and you're going to jail, kids. Well, or th- you're going to juvie, uh, versus every uh, individual in the community saying, hmm, you know, I'm okay with that. Versus, or, uh, yeah, that's bad. I'm going to ostracize those those kids or their parents or whatever it is. I just feel like ostracism could be more powerful, and it would be a much better determination as far as what the community thinks. It may be that you could turn ostracism into something powerful, but you would have to spend – but it's it's way, way, way far away from what life is like currently. Sure it is. Basically, you would have to have no laws. You would have to have companies that – um, you know, these DRO companies that you've talked about that basically insure a person, um, you would have to have ostracism so effective that no one would be able to buy or sell things and in order to properly I'm, punish I'm just people. actually just pointing out how uh, I don't want the law to be involved in this particular issue because if it wasn't for the law, those kids never would have been discovered, you know, that they'd had sex with one another. At worst, their parents would have found out, and it would have been a private matter to be dealt with privately between two families. More coming up. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free on the Packet-A toll-free line, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Everything on the site is totally free, including the bulletin board system with over 140,000 posts, Mark. That is a lot of content. Uh, plus over 1,200 people interacting. You can talk with uh, other listeners, the show hosts themselves. We're all there. Although I'm a little backed up, I've got something like 50 notifications on like 50 different topics that I haven't read yet uh, <laughs> in my email box on this thing. Well, it does happen. There's a lot of stuff to, uh, to interact with. bbs.freetalklive.com gets you right to it. It's free like everything else on our site. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And register now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Come and hear a speech by John Stossel entitled Enemies of Liberty. The three-day event is starting on February 23rd, going through the 25th. Early bird discount is available now, but for a limited time. So register at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum as we go to the phones. And to the fun, let's talk to John in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Hey, John. Hey, hey I just thought the audience, uh, all, all the listeners might want to know, that you hear plenty on this uh, radio show, about uh, the Free State Project. Sure. Uh, they might be interested to know that Time Magazine, of course, that's a mainstream newsstand, glossy magazine. Huge magazine. So it's not something that's, uh, you know, biased by you or me or some of the callers who may be members. They have a nice article in there about the Free State Project. Uh, it's only one page, so it doesn't get very deep into what's going on. I think it's very fair. Yeah, I actually saw it on the online version. Is the is it available in print yet, or is that coming up it this week? The, uh, it hit the newsstands today, so I Great. so I picked it up. The wording in the article is exactly the same. Uh, they do have a nice picture of one of the guys' pickup trucks with, uh, I guess, it has 17 bumper stickers on the back, <laughs> all anti-tyranny stuff. Uh, the article that you read, uh, they highlight a quote from that article uh, in the in the paper in the uh, page of the magazine where it says uh, New Hampshire's motto is live free, or dry, live free or die and it's low tax and high regard for minding your own damn business proved irresistible. Do they actually you know, give the Free State Project website anywhere in the article? Uh, no, they don't. I, I, yeah, I didn't notice it. When I, I didn't know if it was in the print version, if they had a little, you know, a little sidebar or something like that that didn't show up on the online version. 
Now that's not there. But speaking of uh, speaking of websites, uh, it, it leads to a point that I was also going to make. Uh, so that's very interesting with the Time Magazine. That's something that people might want to pick up, and they can share with their friends to show. You know, they, they might be talking about this, and, and people say, "Well, you know, we know how you are. You, you know, you you're one of those radicals that just loves liberty all that much, and you might have a biased opinion." Pick up Time Magazine, share it with them. Yeah, I think, like I, I think it's great. I mean, really, um, what a what a wonderful – I read the article, and i got to say, it, it wasn't it, – you could say it was either non-biased or actually leaning a little positive. I would say it was leaning a little positive towards the Free State Project. I met these guys when they were in New Hampshire, and um, I knew that they were impressed. I was at the party, the, the meet-and-greet that they mentioned, mm-hmm. and it's funny, the wording in there is that only several dozen or only a few dozen showed up. From around the states, but you know, like I say, it's a one-page article, so you, you're not going to get everything. You know, they can't mention that there was another party the night before, and there sure. was something else going on in Keene the same hey, day. Hey, for a page <laughs> in Time Magazine, else. I mean, really, what is what is advertising? Mark, you used to work in uh, in the magazine advertising industry. A page in Time Magazine. Imagine buying a full-page ad. I mean, what are we talking about here? I, I can't even imagine. Um, I could only take a poke at it. You you did a luxury eight grand, eight thousand bucks for Time. It's just yeah. a it's just a poke at right. it. Right. Um, I mean, that's some serious. They've got smack. competition that uh, you know. There's there's uh, U.S. Uh, News and World Report, um, Newsweek. What was they've the full, got competition? You used to do sort of a luxury magazine uh, in Sarasota, when, where we came from. What was a full page in that going for? Um, uh, less than eight or more. Less. Okay. But, but but it's higher quality paper. Right. But there's not nearly as many printed. Maybe three. Grand. I see. So eight grand, then it sounds about right. I was just, yeah, I was just guessing at eight grand. Because USA Today is seventy six thousand dollars. And you got to remember, page. I don't talk um, wholesale, you know, or I don't talk retail rate. Um, yeah. There's no way that I'm paying whatever it is that Time Magazine says that a full page is um, worth. I'm going to be paying um, what it is that they'll sell it for. Either way you slice it. Story. Either way you slice it, it's always better if you get the actual coverage as opposed to buying the advertising. Sure. Um, I mean, people are people ignore people, ads. Yeah, people read Time in order to read the article. Um, that's the reason they're not reading time for the the ads. John, thank you for bringing that to our hey, attention. Hey, let me let me yeah. mention one more thing before I go, mm-hmm. just so people can get a taste of what's happening inside the state. Here we are, one day before the election. We've got the union leader, which is known to be uh, they. It's been called over the years the number one influential paper in the state. They come out today, day before election, with an editorial: "Tobacco and Firearms Preserving Liberty in New Hampshire," and the beautiful thing. It reminded me when you said something about the website. They actually give the website in this editorial for the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, and they say that they're not with the Liberty Alliance on every single issue, but their scorecard is a proxy for determining who is a friend or a foe of personal freedoms. Excellent. And this is the this organization. Liberty Alliance is the group we've spoken on the air about before mm-hmm. that actually rates every single piece of legislation that goes before the New Hampshire legislature. Not only do they rate they the pieces, they, they also rate the legislators themselves. John, thank you for the call. We appreciate okay, it. Okay, have a nice night, guys. Yeah, 800-259-9231, the Packaday toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You know, now, every time I think about, um, we should explain that Packaday thing before we, because uh, people are going to be wondering about that. What do you mean? Well, now we've got a uh, sponsor. Yeah, a new sponsor sponsoring the phone lines. Exactly. And uh, helping, out, helping us out with our phones. Um, I one thing that's really great about living in New Hampshire is that when it comes to voting time, I don't, I haven't researched every single candidate and every single incumbent out there. 
and I don't know who's the best person and who's the worst person. I'm too busy. That's one of the reasons to do. that people often vote, vote party line. Right. Because it's easy. Um, well, here, the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance and uh, you know, there's so many people that are active there, they have essentially um, they've got a little message board, and I went on there, and I've got all the information on, that's going to be on my ballot for who to vote for. Yeah, I've got it right here, too. Now, I've done a little bit of research on my own just to be able to back it up, but I know the it people looks involved. right to me. Yeah, I mean, well, the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance was formed by um, essentially a, a group of free staters. Right. And uh, so, you know, we know that the people involved are credible. In fact, a few of them are listeners and amplifiers of Free Talk Live. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'll put it in their hands. You just tell me how to vote. I'll go ahead and <laughs> I just don't have time for it. I've got, I've got so much to do with my show. It's really nice to be able to get a printout from these guys. And uh, walk into the polls with that. It, it you know it beats the heck out of uh, trying to vote party line. Most of the time, I'd, I I got so upset with the Republicans that I wouldn't vote for them anymore. Um, I'd just look for names that I knew and whether I liked or disliked yeah. them, and I'd either vote for or against them. And it, you know it was really an ineffective way of voting. It makes you feel bad too. It does. Yeah. Um, now and, and how many other states have a uh, organization like this? I don't know. I can't imagine. There it. certainly wasn't anything that I was aware of in Florida, and I've never heard of anything else like this. It doesn't. Ha- how many states have an organization that rates each individual representative and senator based on their votes uh, as far as whether or not they vote in a pro-liberty basis or not on an A through F scale? So some are, you know, if you're a little pro-liberty, you're going to get a, a D or something. If you're a lot, you're going to get an A and everything in between. So very useful. All right. At this point, we're in such bad shape here locally that we're voting for like C's. Yeah, this area, not so great. We're voting. We're trying to keep out the really bad people. 1-800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. That's 800-259-9231. Allows you to take control of the airwaves, bring up whatever's on your mind. And uh, on the way, let's see here. Eric, coming up, your calls as well. Bring up whatever you want. This is your show. Going to be talking about tax fraud and uh, cults. Coming up, Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line, one 800 259 9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Everything on the site is totally free, including archives. An entire year's worth of the show awaits you for your downloading convenience right there, front page of the site, freetalklive.com. As we go to the phones, to the fun, Eric in Louisiana. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Hey there, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Hey, I just actually wanted to talk to you about, I don't know, have you been following the story about uh, Kent Hovind? Uh, I'm not sure. The name sort of rings a bell. Kent Hovind? Hovind? Oh, that might be it, yeah. I'm not sure how to say it. I just Who found an it? article. What is it? Um, apparently, I don't know the full details here, but apparently he's a religious um, like leader person. Like He heads up this religious group, and um, he, along with his wife, um, they apparently own some sort of camp or park or something mm-hmm. uh, where they employ people. And um, they said that, that, according to their religion, they didn't have to pay federal taxes on their employees. Mm. And um, so he didn't pay his taxes. And let's see, it's 48 federal counts, including a failure to pay $845,000 
in employee-related taxes and withholdings, mm-hmm. and is found guilty. Uh, he he was found guilty. Right. Um, he faces uh, 288 years in prison, and his wife yep. faces 225. Yeah, you know what? I did hear about that. I did come across that story. It's pretty sad. Your yeah. thoughts? Um, I'm kind of actually split on this one in that I don't think that you can use religion as a justification for not paying taxes. But the, at the same time, I applaud him for not paying taxes. I absolutely, um, and, um, I absolutely applaud him for having the courage to not withhold uh, his employees' taxes. It's I just that for, it doesn't matter what you bring in front of the court. Um, there's no argument. There's no points that you can make that any judge is going to just say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you're right. Forget all these tax <laughs> charges. You're free, buddy. You know, I I think that it's just fine using religion. Um, I think that if, uh, if Kent is able to... Uh, uh, figure out a way that uh, religion will, uh, you know, some religion that will allow you to not pay taxes, that there will be a remarkable amount of people that would take up that religion right away, at which point we get what we want. And what difference does it really make as long as we starve the government to death? Yeah. Eric, thanks for bringing that to our attention. Thank we you. appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231, the Pankaday toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. So do we want to talk about fish? Or do we want to talk about the cult that maybe nobody realized was a cult? Oh, well, you do love cults that no one realizes are cults. This one I think you might actually agree with me on, Mark. Okay. It's from our friend Mark Stevens. He says, I read something this week so ironic from AdventuresInLegalLand.com. I had to read uh, write an article about it. There's a website that is run by an attorney named Dan Evans. This is the post that, part of the post that he wrote. Quote, good point. And didn't we once have a thread on, a tax, uh, on tax protesting as a cult? End quote. Given the overall condescending attitude Mr. Evans displays towards anyone who questions the legitimacy of government, especially taxes, it's clear he used the word cult in order to ridicule. Let's look at the irony of a member of a bar association referring to people who don't believe the taking of property by force, taxation that is, people like us, is, a legit, is legitimate as a cult. So Mark Stevens is going to point out some facts here that uh, you might not have thought that these people that are in the courtroom, these lawyers and judges, maybe they're actually cult members, huh? I let's let's see. Indeed, like any cult, a bar association is individual men and women. Cults always have leaders, and the leaders of the bar cult are supreme and make the rules which cult members must follow or suffer punishment that ex- it includes getting excommunicated or disbarred from the cult. These supreme leaders wear black robes, the symbolic meanings of which are kept secret to people outside of the cult. When outsiders ask what the symbolism is of the black robe, the response is usually laughter with suggestions that the question is silly. Unlike the bar cult, there is no symbolic clothing required to question the legitimacy of government. See, these lawyers are saying that tax protesters like the guy that Eric just called in about are Mm -hmm. cult members. But there's no process to become a cult member in the so-called cult of individuals who are questioning the power of the state. There's no compulsory association that one must join to question the legitimacy of government and taxes, as there is with the bar cult. Members of the cult must pay the supreme leader's offerings, euphemistically called dues. If the cult member doesn't pay his dues, then he's severely punished. Other cult members, lower in the hierarchy than the supreme leaders, usually only superior, will not permit the cult member to continue working to earn a living. Wannabe cultists must spend tens of thousands of dollars to be, quote, taught how to think like a member of the cult. 
These so-called schools must be approved by the supreme leaders, or the education, regardless of quality, is not recognized by the cult. The indoctrination of wannabe cult members must be strictly controlled and not influenced by outsiders. The supreme leaders ensure that no one outside the cult is permitted to teach the wannabe cult members. Outsiders are dealt with harshly. Cult members believe outsiders should be caged for practicing the craft of the cult. <laughs> While most people outside the cult believe caging people for writing is extreme and unwarranted, <laughs> cult members are taught it's necessary and are encouraged to report outsiders to the supreme leaders so punishment may be dealt. He's One making a darn good... Uh um, argument that, uh, in fact, that the legal system is a cult. Yes. Uh, once the education is completed, the wannabe cult members are taken into a special room where only cult members are permitted to practice their craft. The wannabe cultists must participate in an initiation ritual or ceremony wherein they raise their arms in unison and chant an oath together. The chant not being sufficient, each new cult member must also sign a loyalty oath. As cult members progress and become honorable, they are permitted to wear black robes to distinguish them from ordinary cult members. Cult members wearing the symbolic black robes require all cult members and outsiders alike to stand and remain standing when they enter the special room where they practice their craft, which may explain why, when we were at the, uh, the protest for Lauren Canario at, her, uh, at the courthouse down in New London, right. When we didn't stand up for the judge when he entered the room, the black-robed one, there was 11 of us actually sitting out in the, the rows there that did not stand for this judge. The people in the front row, the lawyers, they turned around and just, they, they were shocked. Freaked out. Yeah, they were, you, you have to stand for the judge. Oh, yeah? Is he going to make us? Because he didn't. <laughs> but I bet if the lawyer didn't stand for the judge... That judge would have been pretty outraged. Yeah, that would have been a big de- big deal. A cult member. So only after the cult member has taken his seat may everyone sit down. All are also required to stand and remain standing when the black-robed cult member stands and leaves the special room. The reasons why remain hidden. The black-robed cult member also, for secret symbolic reasons, always sits several feet off the floor. I have not been able to determine the symbolic meaning of black, uh, black-robed cult members sitting higher than everyone else. One of the extraordinary powers, and this one's interesting, of the black-robed, uh, the black-robed cult members have in the special room where all rise at their arrival and exit is a godlike power to influence men with guns and badges. Cult members without the black robe cannot order men with guns to cage people who ask them questions. But honorable cult members do have men with guns <laughs> who impulsively carry out their orders without exercising any discretion. Ask a cult member with a black robe a question he doesn't like, and he'll order men with guns to toss you in a cage. Cult members do not seem to have a problem with such violence. Facts and arguments, regardless of the merits, don't exist if presented by an outsider. And then he gives an example of a case where this, where somebody, I guess, attempted to um, present these facts. Cult members pretend anything presented by an outsider doesn't really exist. Only cult members in good standing with the supreme leaders may present facts. Truth for the cult is dictated by the supreme leaders. Cult members spend years researching and memorizing the sayings or rulings of their dead supreme leaders. Whenever there's an issue, the first thought, their first thought, is to see what their dead supreme leaders have said. To the cult, there is no principle or tenet unless a supreme leader declares it so. The cult uses the word 
precedent to explain why the principle or rule does not exist. So it's like ancestor worship. Yes. More on the way. 800-259-9231. The Packet A toll-free line for you to take control of the airwaves. That's 1-800-259-9231. More about the cult members and the cult that you might not have realized was a cult. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. The toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the Packaday toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Everything on the site is for free, though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff. Like store.freetalklive.com. There's Free Talk Live t-shirts and hats and classic archives on DVD collector sets and more. You'll find it all there at store.freetalklive.com. Again, store.freetalklive.com. As we continue to discuss one of the cults that nobody really ever thinks of as a cult, but may actually fit every single qualification of what it re- what is required to be a, uh, to actually be a cult. Well, it it looks surprisingly like it, but there's no real religion involved. Sure, sure there is. It's belief in the state. Um, Belief in a fantastically non-existent entity. <laughs> anyway, um, it's Mark Stevens from AdventuresInLegalLand.com. He's pointing out that lawyers, the Bar Association, is essentially a cult, and he, he points out that you know that there's uh, you have to get the education that's approved by the supreme leaders, and nobody from the outside can be involved, and there's sorts there's all sorts of secret things like you don't know why the judge wears a black robe. Nobody talks about the reasons for that. And there's a, just a variety of things he goes over here. If you missed the first part, you should uh, head over to freetalklive.com later tonight to grab the link, which I'll post, of course, on the bulletin board system. Uh, all right, so we're going to continue here. He's pointing out some things that uh, define this as a cult. The cult uses its own language, which, of course, is dictated by the supreme leaders. To this, to this cult, the word person may actually mean two people or even a city. And just like witches and warlocks, as demonstrated in the Harry Potter series... The bar cult is very fond of using Latin words and phrases such as reductio ad absurdum and pro se in their craft. I think reductio ad absurdum is the chant used to drive dementors away. In their paperwork, (laughs) they don't request the honorable black-robed cult member for some specific relief. No, cult members pray to each other. I I tell you, I learn stuff uh, every time I read a Mark, uh, Mark Stevens article. I didn't know that there was a prayer in legal terms. Did you? Um, no. Uh, well, apparently there is. Cult members pray to each other or offer a prayer for relief to black-robed cult, uh, for relief to a black-robed cult member. Some cults still offer a prayer to their lord, as the cult member is referred to as lord or lord high chancellor. Prayer, here's the definition from Ballantine's Law Dictionary. That part of a pleading which designates and asks for relief sought by the party. There actually is a law term that is called prayer. This cult enjoys a monopoly over their craft, that is, assisting people in various situations, real estate transactions and planning, contract negotiations, business structuring, and court cases. The craft consists of mostly writing and speaking. This monopoly is not due to the market freely choosing to contract and pay for their services. It's a coercive monopoly. This cult doesn't believe that their customers should have any choice in whom they have to assist them. Only cult members. This cult uses aggression, not bringing superior services to the market to defeat competitors. That is, non-cult members. 
The bar cult is constantly employing violence and threats of violence to outsiders and excommunicated cult members who dare infringe on the cult's monopoly. Their extreme views extend to caging a man who does nothing more than quietly voicing an opinion. Talking. Indeed. Uh, and then he gives an example. Quote, any person advertising or holding himself or herself out as practiced or entitled to practice law or otherwise practice, practicing law who is not an active member of the state bar or otherwise authorized pursuant to statute or court rule to practice law in this state at the time of doing so is guilty of a misdemeanor punishable by up to one year in a county jail or by a fine of up to $1,000 or by both that fine and imprisonment, unquote. The bar cult believes providing an excellent service to a customer on a purely voluntary basis is a heinous crime. Also take notice that guilt has already been pronounced. So there's no uh, court trial involved in that. If you're a formerly excommunicated bar member, you're guilty automatically. That's just it. The cult routinely threatens people, stating they need a license to practice law issued by the state government, when in reality there is no license to practice law issued by the state government. And don't ask a cult member to display his license to practice law when in their special room, a court. The honorable cult member will have men with guns throw you out of the building, if not into a cage. What logic? Only outsiders are, quote, required to have a license to practice law issued by the state government. Well, a license is real because it's a piece of paper. I mean... The, I guess the government's not real, but... I think he's pointing out, he doesn't make it totally clear here, I think he's pointing out that the license in question is actually granted by the Bar Association. But I'm in. I'm just sort of reading that into what he's saying. Yeah, like, that's kind of what I was thinking, too. Right, but the Bar Association isn't necessarily the government, is it? No. Well, maybe it is. He points out another interesting factoid here in a moment. While I might not agree with the legal interpretations of people called tax protesters or tax resistors... For a member of a bar association to characterize them as a cult does little more than demonstrate close-mindedness and an impenetrable bias. Yes, bias. All members of this cult are government and have an economic interest in making sure most people continue believing government is legitimate. Without government, they would lose their monopoly, and the thought of people freely choosing who will assist them must fill them with horror. That's the primary reason why they summarily dismiss anything questioning the legitimacy of government, regardless of the merits. It conflicts with their model of the world, and they can't accept anything to the contrary. Some refuse to accept that they are government. I mean, you're hiring a defense attorney, right? He's not part of the government, is he? Or is he? He's certainly part of the legal system. Let the evidence speak for itself. From the Arizona Supreme Court, quote, Acting within the powers vested in it by the Constitution of this state and its inherent power over members of the legal profession as officers of the court. Another rule. Upon admission to the state bar, an applicant shall also in open court take and subscribe an oath to support the Constitution and laws of the state of Arizona in the form provided by, provided by the Supreme Court. Another quote. A lawyer is a representative of clients, an officer of the legal system, and a public citizen. A lawyer's responsibilities as a representative of clients, an officer of the legal system, and a public citizen. And he points out that even though that's except er, excerpted from the Arizona state statutes, he then goes to Mississippi, Kansas, New York, Alabama, just to prove that it's not just Arizona. Right, it's almost this, all the same. Yeah, this is all over the place. So, believe it or not, your favorite defense attorneys, if you have any, 
are actually members of the state. Officers of the court. Any attorney. Yes, anyone who is an attorney. And therefore, they have an inherent interest in protecting the state. I've noticed that. <laughs> Counsel, uh, let's see, blah, 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 uh, from Washington. I quote, I hardly think that the remote possibility of attorneys entering into a collusion in violation of their oaths as officers of the court to impose a false record upon this court is a sufficient consideration to warrant this court in holding the legislative act unconstitutional. All members of this cult must take an oath which is required for all men and women acting as government. Cult members will say all of this is frivolous and deny that they have any pro-government bias. And why should they admit any? After all, I'm an outsider. I haven't been educated at the cult-approved schools. I haven't participated in their rituals, haven't sworn their cult's loyalty oath, nor do I give offerings called dues to their cult leaders. Nothing I have presented above could have any merit. Just ask any of the cult members, and he or she will tell you. Facts mean nothing, and prove even less when not offered by a member of the bar cult. Call tax protesters a cult if you like, but keep in mind that unlike the bar cults, there's no compulsory association, no compulsory offerings, no compulsory approved schools, no bizarre initiation rituals, no compulsory chants, oaths, no symbolic robes or supreme leaders, and no godlike power over men with guns and badges and no special language. Most important, don't forget the bar cult offers prayers to each other. 800-259-9231. Is Mark Stevens wrong? <laughs> I, I do love Mark Stevens' writing. Um, I can't say that I think that Mark Stevens has a real great grip on what is real, but man, he has an excellent perspective on What do you mean writing. he doesn't have a grip on what's real? Um, you know, it's just, it's so far removed from the way that people think and the way that people view life. Right, so just because most people are incorrect on how they think and view life, are misinformed about the true nature of the government, of the true nature of the state, and this bar association and lawyers, doesn't make him wrong. I just makes I him didn't, did I say the lone voice in the wilderness. <laughs> did I say he was wrong? I mean, he might be so far removed from what the normal thought process mm -hmm. is as to be called crazy, but I don't think he's wrong. He makes excellent points. Exactly, which is why I enjoy sharing his writings. <laughs> I mean... Because he needs to, this sort of thinking needs to be popularized. He's so, this is a, so far removed that I, I just, I, I, I don't even know what to do with him. He's absolutely, I loved his book, Adventures in Legal Land. And he's absolutely right in his website's adventuresinlegalland.com. This is, uh, the government is an agency that, it's very cultish. Now, when you, once you break it down. Especially the courts. Yeah, especially the courts. 800-259-9231. The packet 8 toll-free lines. You take control of the airwaves. Mark's coming up if he's patient. Your calls as well. we got dolphins to talk about and more. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off hour number two of the Monday edition. And you can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. That's why we call it Free Talk Live. The number, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And, of course, you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Everything on the site, totally free. That, again, freetalklive.com. As we go to the phones, to the fun, let's talk to Mark in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, Mark. What's up? Um, 
from what I understand, George Bush now has power over the National Guard unit? Yes. Uh, yeah, we talked about this last week. It was the, what was it, the Defense Authorization Act of 2007. Uh, passed a few weeks ago to little fanfare. No one was really even talking about it. It was the Military Commissions Act that got all of the attention. And the MCA certainly should have gotten attention, but everyone pretty much ignored the Defense Authorization Act, which does give George Bush the power uh, to just snatch up National Guard troops from any old state he wants to without the permission of the state's uh, legislature, the state's governor. So now, like, if something goes down tomorrow during the voting process, he can just pull up National Guard troops? Sure. Yeah, and the, you can use the military here as well. You can use the military to uh, uh, as a police force in the United States. That's insane. Are they going to have, like, giant purple helmets or something? <laughs> I don't know. I don't expect that uh, they'll be wearing anything different beyond the uh, fatigues. I mean, that's what Americans recognize. Americans recognize military members, and they res- they have a inherent respect for them. And so it won't be very hard for uh, military people to come into a given town and completely uh, take over, uh, martial law style, which is what the purpose of the Defense Authorization Act of 2007 is, is to right. ob- obliterate uh, to obliterate the uh, Posse Comitatus Act, which is the one piece of legislation standing in between uh, the military and and using them in, as a policing force. Right, thus, thus creating a, an entire police state. Yes, at his leisure. It's not happening yet, but he he has now have he does now have the power in order to do that. It's a very okay. short step, though. Um, I mean, it's if you look at a lot of these police uniforms, uh, like when, when these guys are doing their SWAT maneuvers and that kind of thing. They look military to me. I mean, so Mark, if, does your unit have a giant purple helmet? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Mark. We appreciate it. Ian, you're jealous. Thank you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I didn't see that one coming. That was, I did that was not good. see it coming. Yeah. No, absolutely not. I was completely blindsided. Yeah. I should have thought of it when he said the purple helmet thing, but I was thinking UN blue helmet, purple helmet. Yeah, uh, I I didn't brilliant. understand the reference either. That was well done, Mark. Thank you. All right, 800-259-9231, the packet A toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. Well, let's talk about dolphins. Now, from time to time, we bring up, uh, this is very occasional, but I'll spot some neat little science article that I just think is really neat, and this is one of them. As they leap over the waves and perform their extraordinary acrobatic feats, dolphins are the embodiment of waterborne grace, according to the Daily Mail. Yet, almost incredibly, this was not always their element. Experts believe that the dolphin's ancestor was a dog-like creature which roamed the earth many millions of years ago. And now the extraordinary discovery of a bottlenose dolphin with an extra set of flippers has provided living proof of this evolutionary theory. Okay. At, at first glance, it looks like any other, con- any other of its kind, but closer inspection reveals a rogue set of rear fins. Rogue fins. Each uh, now we're not talking about the main fin on the back. We're talking like about an tail. extra set of fins. Uh, at first glance, it well, looks they have like, the little fins up in front. I don't know what all these terms are. I right. can't. Um, pre, I don't even know what the terms They're are. Fins. Um, the ones in front. So he has a second pair, a sort second, of in back. Exactly right. Hmm. Each is the size of a human hand. The fins are thought to be the remnants of a of a pair of hind legs. Adding to well, evidence. Thought to be doesn't mean yeah. Adding to evidence, it doesn't mean that that proves anything. Well, it apparently is quite a uh, quite a missing link for the scientists. Adding to evidence that dolphins once walked on all fours, while dolphins with odd shaped lumps jutting out near the tail have been caught before. 
This five-year-old bobblenose is thought to be the first with a full second set of fins. Now, I don't know if you knew this, Mark, but if you actually look at an x-ray of a dolphin's fin, there's a thumb in there. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm aware of this, and right. I'm aware that they, uh, they say that whales and, and uh, dolphins, which are essentially whales, um, were, are descended from some sort of land-based creature that returned to the water. Um, that's why they're water-living mammals. But I don't know. I mean, I, have, I don't think about it much on a regular basis. I don't have any thought one way or the no other. No, do I. I just find it very interesting. Scientists have so far been un- unable to tell whether the four-fin dolphin caught near Japan's Wakama, uh, Wakayama province a week ago oh, uses... Oh, they caught by Japanese. The poor dolphin was eaten shortly thereafter. extra <laughs> set of fins when swimming. The creature, nine foot from uh, nose to tail, is now in a tank at a whaling museum and has not been eaten, where it will undergo both X-ray and DNA testing. Seji Osumi of the Institute of Cetacean Research in Tokyo says, I believe the fins may be remains from the time when the dolphin's ancestors lived on land. This is an unprecedented discovery. Recent fossil finds support the belief that 50 million years ago, forerunners of the present deep-sea mammals had limbs and were quick on their feet. The creatures, which belong to a group called Pachycetids, looked like a cross between a wolf and a tapir and and had large heads, long, powerful tails, Spindly legs and ankle bones well adapted for running. Is it, is it possible that uh, dolphins were once man's best friend on land? Uh, although, were man, was, was man around back then? I don't know. Probably not. They also had bones in their ears, which are unique to cetaceans, the sea family with, to which whales and dolphins belong. So they've already found evidence of the uh, these um, land-based creatures, and there already were some tied-in characteristics between them and dolphins. So this is just yet another piece of evidence. It's thought that the dolphin's land-loving ancestors had first crawled into the sea to escape predators or to seek food between 50 million and 35 million years ago. Their hind legs became smaller and smaller before eventually disappearing altogether. The new aerodynamic shape reduced drag in the water, speeding their swimming. So essentially that means that this particular dolphin is uh, not as evolved as the rest. Well, it's sort of a throwback. Yeah, or maybe they're, maybe they're evolving back. Maybe they're getting ready to come back on the land. I suppose evolution could do that. Mark Simmons of the Whale and Dolphin Conservation Society said they became more and more streamlined, lost their hair, and developed a layer of fat for insulation. Evidence of the long-lost rear legs can still be seen in the dolphin fetus, which contains leg buds that disappear before birth. Hmm. Now it seems a freak mutation, perhaps caused by pollution of the oceans, has caused a long-lost trait to reassert itself in a modern-day dolphin. <laughs> you know, it's just a just a little jab at everybody. Pollution in yeah. the ocean is <laughs> causing the dolphins to regress in their mutation. Yeah, not, not that we're going to see it happen anytime soon, because evolution certainly takes a, a long period of time, but it certainly would be interesting if uh, a, a subset of dolphins started regrowing uh, what, it, what the required functions that they need and the parts and functions they need to uh, to be landlubbers again. We'll have dolphins, little it's, pet dolphins running around. It's not going to happen in our lifetime. No, certainly not. Further evidence of the dolphin's past as a land dweller comes from its inability to breathe underwater and it and the bones of its fins, which are similarly jointed to those in the human hand. It's It's interesting. Very interesting. There's no issue, of course. I just found it fascinating. Well, the issue was evolution, believe it or not. And I don't really want to talk about that. 
800-259-9231, the Packet A toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You actually have something ocean-related, though. I do, and um, mine uh, goes a little bit like that statement that uh, they made in there. Perhaps it's uh, pollution of the oceans that's making the dolphins' uh, rear fins hmm. uh, show up. From the BBC News by Richard Black, environmental correspondent for the BBC News website. There will be virtually nothing left to fish from the seas by the middle of the century if current trends continue. Ah! <laughs> oh, no! According to a major scientific study, stocks have collapsed in nearly one-third of sea fisheries, and the rate of decline is accelerating. Hmm. Writing in the Journal of Science, the international team of researchers says fishery decline is closely tied to a broader loss of marine biodiversity. But a greater use of protected areas could safeguard guard existing stocks. You know, just it, the the article goes on and, and just talks about how, you know, we're all going to die the way um, and the only thing we can do is conservation, conservation. People must stop eating fish. But didn't they say three decades ago there was going to be an ice age? They did. Sometime you know, around now. And, and they also predicted, uh, I know at one point they predicted that the oil reserves were going to run out yeah. by the, the mid-50s. Right. Um, the well, environmentalists have been predicting dire consequences and de- doomsday for all for a long, long time. How, many, how much of the world is covered in water, Ian? I don't know. A good portion of it, though. Yeah, what, like two-thirds? Two-thirds, three-quarters, depends on where you read. Yeah. Um, it's amazing to me that uh, they somehow think that this area of the world, which is also in three dimensions, like you can stack creatures <laughs> yeah. on top of each other in right. it, somehow it's just going to disappear. Well, of course, the solution is to uh, privatize the oceans. More on the way. We'll get <laughs> into it. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231 is the Packet 8 toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Everything on the site is totally free. Get signed up for the updates, and we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Updates.freetalklive.com to get signed up. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And what does a person who's been called aggressively nonpartisan sound like? Well, a lot like a libertarian, sometimes. Check out Common Sense with Dan Carlin and see why he thought the Free Talk Live audience would respond to this ad. Get the podcast at iTunes or go to dancarlin.com. You know, it's been dancarlin.com. Dan Carlin's pretty libertarian. It's just that when you're talking to Free Talk Live, you have to make qualifying <laughs> you gotta qualify statements. it. We really do. <laughs> yeah, I had some program director ask me today uh, when I was talking with him, well, who would you who would you call yourself closest to of all the talk show hosts out there? I... And I, you know, I reluctantly when, said Neil Bortz, but he's not really even a libertarian at all. I when mean, we he has some libertarian started, positions. When we first started um, doing the nationally syndicated and we were trying to talk to people, uh, program directors, about getting on, we, mm-hmm. we sort of said it was like, like Lionel and Neil Bortz on the air together. Mm. But it's not. Yeah. No. It's free talk live. All right, and the calls are rolling in, so we're going to them. We're going to get back to some more on this uh, privatizing the oceans. The stocks are in uh, in distress. I have, a gr- go- I have a great line in this article. No one's going to ever have fish sticks again. <laughs> Let's talk to Jeff in Ohio. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Trust the Gordons, fishermen. Hello, Jeff. How are you? Good. What's up? Oh, I just wanted to drop this uh, little uh, daily press. It's a Newport News article that came out in 2004. Mm-hmm. Before you uh, say that the, the dolphins growing new fins is due to uh, evolution, I know it's, it's pretty well known. I don't know if you guys know it or not, 
but frogs across the country and in other countries around in areas where they're uh, spraying pesticides on the plants and that grow like eight to nine legs per frog. Wow. And there's been like a, a huge DNA shift in frogs in ponds to the point where they're the like frog legs are inedible at this point. Darn. That's darn. Now, frogs are growing nine legs and they're inedible? Well, I mean, would you eat a frog with nine legs? I don't know. If it tasted eight? good. Huh? If it tasted good, I probably would. Well, I'd be, I'd be so. I used to do it, too. I used to frog gig and eat the legs, and I wouldn't do it now. Not anymore, huh? Uh, but, so you uh, think it's pesticide? Huh? You think it's pesticides? Absolutely. It's been proven. How so? Uh, people have done, done the research on it. I don't have the actual thing. I. I don't have the actual uh, study on that, but mm-hmm. I do have well, the the study. On I'm this. always careful about this. The, that when when environmentalists put out studies, it it's because they want to rule the rule the world. I understand, and that. It, it scares me. And I know that when it came to uh, DDT, they just lied, and millions of people have died from malaria based on their lies. Yeah, it's true, and right. it scares well, me. Well, I just wanted to give you this piece of information. Yeah. You're talking about privatizing the oceans. And, and the I'm not saying stuff. I don't believe it. I'm saying that it's something that I would look at. And, right. you know, I'm, I'm going. Right. Do your own research, yeah. you know, basically. Indeed. Um, okay, now, the, in this Newport News uh, article uh, uh, done by John, I know this is funny, but the, he is a real reporter, John Bull. <laughs> okay. Um, the Army now admits that it secretly dumped 64 million pounds of nerve and mustard agents into the sea... Ah. Along with over 400,000 chemical-filled bombs, landmines, and rockets. Yikes. Yeah, and that makes more sense. than 500 tons, gentlemen, of radioactive waste, either tossed overboard or packed into the holds of scuttled vessels. I wouldn't Ooh. doubt that. Wow. Some of these less than 12 miles off the American coast in less than 2,000 feet of water. So if we start seeing fish growing extra fins <laughs> blame the army a little bit differently it, it might be because of that was there a reason why because we uh, we had a, a, a caller a while back tell us that when he was in the navy he came across some guys just throwing stuff off the side of the ship like wrenches and tools and stuff like that just throwing it off the side of the oh, ship they and... dumped airplanes i mean they they admit here that they've they've loaded the holes ship holes and scuttled whole ships full of radioactive waste you know, and we're we're talking tons and tons and tons of this stuff. Well, there, was the reason to increase budgets or just to get rid of some crap? They're getting rid of old World War One and World War Two armament that's wow. actually you know become obsolete due to new designs and that. So instead of you know instead of actually trying to get rid of the stuff in a safe way, they would they, they, believe it or not, oh, the government would hire contractors. To go out and dump this stuff, and they had, they were supposed to be dumping dumping it in specified locations, and they were like shortchanging it. Like they'd get an, an hour or two out and go, eh, this is Let's good enough. Let's dump it here. Yeah, well, this is good enough. And then they dump the stuff off there. And the wow. army admits that these this the army admits this that they ring the country around like the lower portions of Texas, out into Florida, up the East Coast, and even out and around uh, uh, Alaska. So our country is literally surrounded by what, like you know, weapons of mass destruction and radioactive waste dump sites. It's pretty surra- in, That's that's pretty ocean, shocking. Just, yeah, just miles off the coast. Jeff, thank you for the call. We appreciate the information. Thank you, sir. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The Packet A toll free line. That's one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. It's hard to imagine they've got that much stuff, but I, I over it, all the years, I guess. Yeah. 
he's probably exaggerating a little bit when he says it rings the entire country. That would be a lot. But I mean, here and there, spotted throughout, you know, the what, what he said about ocean. contractors um, being, you know, given the job to. Uh, get rid of the stuff and specific places in the ocean to dump it. Not that I think that's a good idea, but um, it makes perfectly good sense that they wouldn't want to go out as far because, you know, every mile they cost farther they go out costs them money. Let's talk to Nick in Arizona. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, what's up, fellas? Hey, Nick, what's on your mind? Um, I'm actually a pretty big fan of the show, and I've been listening for a while. This is the first time I've heard you guys talk about the environment. Yeah. And it's pretty, it's a subject that's pretty close to my heart. So All right. You know, excited to be talking about it with you guys. Um, what do you think about global warming? Do you think that's like a big farce? I don't know precisely. Um, you know, I do know that uh, the last person, the last group that's really going to solve the problem is the government, even though all the environmentalists that's true. want the government to, um, you know, well, we've got to get in charge of the government so that we can handle this global warming thing. And, you know, they've been in charge of the government. Uh, as a matter of fact, the EPA was brought into existence in the 70s. And what has it done? Well, it's the largest polluter in the United States. They're the largest one is the government itself is the largest. The government polluter, itself, the military specifically, but, um, and you know, also the EPA is in charge of uh, many uh, government lands that it rents out and it block, and, botches clean up. And, and those people and those people themselves um, that they rent it to, they screw up the land because they're renters as opposed to owners. Mm-hmm. Well, then, as far as I'm concerned, that's the EPA's fault too. As far I as is global warming can... for real, I don't know either. It it very well may be for real. I find it if that's true, I find it very hard to believe that uh, piddly little human beings could have caused it. I think, uh, you know, if you look at the history of the Earth, it, it cools, it warms, and it cools, and it warms. Yeah, I would go for that. To me, global warming has a perfect explanation. I What's mean, that? you suck up all this stuff that's underneath the Earth. Think about the reason it's there. It's dead plants and dead animals that have decomposed over time, all right? That's energy. That's heat and energy all just sitting under the, under the Earth. To me, when you burn all that stuff and it goes in the air, it makes sense that the Earth's going to warm up. And it is a big problem to me. That is uh, energy. You know, energy is neither created nor destroyed, right? Right. I would like to hear if it is a big problem. I would like to hear what your solution is, if you'll hold on. Hang on. 800-259-9231. You take control of the airwaves, the environment, the ocean, the fishies. Still got to talk about (laughs) the fishies. Coming up, it's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves, bring what you want. See and here with you. And Mark. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the Pack-A-Day toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Everything on the site is for free, the wiki included, wiki.freetalklive.com. It's over 850 unique pages created by listeners like you. It's like the listener-editable version of the freetalklive.com website, wiki. FreeTalkLive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project's First 1,000 Pledge. Are you just going to talk about freedom? Or are you going to start living it now? Learn how the First 1,000 Pledge can make it happen today at FreeStateProject.org. That's FreeStateProject.org as we bring Nick back on the line from Arizona. Nick, you're back on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Now, we were talking about global warming. And as far as is it real, is it not real, you believe it is uh, real. 
and right. what's your solution? Well, uh, a few months ago, I would have been along with most of the other environmentalists, but uh, I've had a fair large dose of Ian and Mark over the past few months, and I know the answer. It's uh, to privatize everything, like when you're going to bring up privatize the oceans. That'll, that'll save all the fish, you know. If That's Ian. somebody is looking after the interests of the fish, they're going to be protected. So Look, Mark, that, hold on a second. Mark, you're, asking, you're acting as though I'm crazy. I'm, I'm not. not. I just don't, underst- I don't understand not, nor necessarily agree with I'm it. Not saying you, I mean, I'm not saying that you should privatize the entire oceans. Just you can homestead the areas where you need to be fishing in. I mean, homestead those areas, and they, be, they should become yours. You should be subject right. to international laws, and if you own those particular plots of ocean, then you're going to want to protect the fish and uh, the other wildlife that's that's in them, so you don't ever right. run out of fish in order to uh, continue to make profits on. Right. The point I was making is privatization is the answer, because that means, you know, if somebody has an interest in it, they're going to protect it. Now, the, the problem with the government and regulating industry and all that is they got this kind of joke going on. I think I've heard Mark refer to it as uh, crony capitalism, mm. where just, you know, the execs from all these energy companies and any type of polluter or anybody, they just get in Washington and spread their money around and, you know, sure. then they can do whatever they want. Well, this is the funny part about what the environmentalists demand. Whenever the environmentalists get up and start yelling about some new regulations they want, uh, they don't apparently really think about the ramifications of what they're asking for, because when you get up and uh, successfully lobby the government for a new set of environmental regulations, the big companies just go, because they've got it in their pocket. They don't care. They just yawn about it, because either they're going to be grandfathered in by the, the new right. regulations, so their factories, their plants, their pollution, grandfathered in, they're not subject to the new rules, which means that the people who are subject to the new rules are who? Upstarts. The new people. The new businesses. Yeah. The ones that are just getting into the business. The, the little guys. The new competitors. They're the ones that become subject to all these new rules and regulations. And even if, by some uh, chance of fate... These big companies that are already in existence, even if they are subject to the rules and regulations, it's really not a, a, as much of a big deal for them to absorb the costs as it is for a new upstart person getting into the business. And, so it doesn't really affect them that much. And I'd like to also bring up the example of uh, the Alaskan National Wildlife Refuge, ANWR. Right. Um, essentially, when you're making some new environmental rule, you're giving the government something. You're just giving it to them. For their use and uh, them to decide on later. Um, Because it's such a good idea to preserve wildlife stuff, we gave Alaska to the government. Mm. Almost the entire state. Um, There's a few private things in Alaska, but almost the whole state belongs to the government. And you can see... As things progress in our history, there's much less government space on the East Coast as there is towards the West Coast. Uh, Most of the, you know, a lot of states over there like Montana, Colorado, Utah, those kind of things, lots of government stuff going on there. Arizona is over 80% federal land. Wow. Yeah, Yeah. not so much, uh, you know, Florida. Um, You know, and it belongs to the government. So what did the government do with uh, the Alaskan National Wildlife uh, Sold it out. Yeah. We got to we got to drill for oil there. Now, what if Greenpeace owned the Alaskan refuge? What would they have done? We wouldn't be drilling there then, would we? No, exactly. And mm-hmm. uh, another question I just want to pose to you guys, quick, before you let me off here, yeah. is a uh, you know, as far as business goes, doesn't renewables make sense as far as energy? I mean, renewables never run out. I know we're not quite there as far as technology goes, but if I was a 
businessman, I would be looking for renewable energy as, you know, like the moneymaker of the future. You're talking about, like, uh, cold fusion, that sort of thing? Well, uh, even, you know, in Arizona here, we got sun like crazy. We got sun 300 days out of the year, and nobody uses solar energy down here. Hmm. And that's that's so, strange because solar energy is becoming better over time. They're developing and refining uh, solar cells and all of that. You know, um, when right. it comes to... And I'm just wondering if it's because of what you're guys saying, like, because of all the regulations and just the way we're already doing everything, if that's why... It's hard to say. We're, we're not in the energy... Gas. You know, we're not in the energy right. business. We can't really comment on how onerous the regulations are, but I could imagine that they're pretty bad. I know that they're onerous on just about every other... Um, every business out there. But I think also that um, to some extent, the, the, you know, the, the green energy, it's coming into its own, but I think it's still mostly supported by people who are very much environmentalists, and it's mm-hmm. just starting to get people who are looking towards um, saving money in the long run, um, getting off the grid, that kind of thing, very, the yeah. people that are looking very long term. Well, hey, how about this right. for an idea? What if we'd actually had non-monopolistic power companies? Like, what if, um, what if, well, well, what if, um, instead of your locality, your local government giving a sweetheart deal to one power company, what if that had never happened and we all could purchase power from one, two, three, you know, two to three to four different power companies, then what would happen with the research and development that would go on between those companies trying to compete with one another to lower their fuel costs, to lower their, you know, their, their operating expenses, and to pass lower costs onto the customers. They would be developing all kinds of new ways uh, to generate power instead of what we have today, which is one company that just sort of rests on its laurels, fixes the lines from time to time when they go down, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, there's no R&D, there's no development. They don't make any efforts. What do you think about that one, Nick? The free market is always a solution, man. It I certainly know. <laughs> is. It's, it's always better than the government, and thank you for the call. We appreciate it, sir. 800-259-9231. That's the Packaday toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. So, oh, environmentalists. Yes, we were talking about the fishies. The fishies are going away, <laughs> according out of this, to somebody. Uh, yeah, out of this uh, BBS, Some alarmist. Uh, BBS News article by Richard Black, the environmental correspondent for their website. Um, I love this money quote here. It's from uh, Steve Palumbi from Stanford University in California, one of the other scientists on the project, added, Unless we fundamentally change the way we manage all ocean species Here's the keyword together as working keyword ecosystems. Then this century is the last century of wild seafood. Mm, mm, mm. And, and, you know, this guy thinks so little of nature. Yeah. This guy thinks so much. He thinks man of can man destroy in, nature. Man's interference. I mean, this guy makes Anne Rand look like you Ayn know Ayn Rand. Whatever. Yeah. It's Anne. Her name's Anne. By the way, I'd like you to continue mispronouncing things because I got an email from someone today mm-hmm. uh, over the weekend. You mispronounced drown. You yeah. drown. You said drowned. I, I have such a hard time with that word. And uh, one emailer emailed in to say he was upping his amp subscription because I was one of the only people that actually knew. Uh, he was very proud <laughs> of me correcting you on that. So please continue to botch the word, the, the English language. Oh, whatever. I've lost. I've lost my whole train of thought. Basically, this guy thinks that the man that man can change the whole world yeah. completely. That somehow well, we man, can th- kill every fish they in believe the sea. Man, they believe man is a virus. Yes. They believe that somehow man, which is an animal, is so massively different from every other species of animal on the planet 
that we qualify as a virus, right. but every other animal is just an animal deserves to be protected. And as though those fishermen out there are out there just trying, you know, the fish we can't catch, we just kill them. No, they're trying to catch fish so the people can eat them. That's all. And spread the virus. They hate people. It's so nuts. We've read those qu- we read quotes from these people, these environmentalist nutjobs, who would really love to see some sort of uh, black plague get re-released uh, p- across the planet and uh, it cut the population down. That's what they want. Mm-hmm. They want us all living in caves. It's nuts. 800-259-9231. That's the toll-free number. Packet A toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You bring up what's on your mind. David New Hampshire is coming up. Your calls as well. Ladies first, if you make the calls, this is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up whatever you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And everything on the site, we give it away. That we do ask that you support the show by voting for us, which will cost you all of a minute of your time. Go to vote.freetalklive.com and help us out because we're currently ranked at the number three podcast in the world which uh not so good like we should be number two or number one yeah um and we could be with your help if you go to vote.freetalklive.com it's a great way to expose new people to this show uh, our study has shown our our study our poll on our website has shown that a chunk a good chunk of you guys who are listening found us uh those of you who are listening on the internet found us through podcast alley and that's where we're currently ranked number three at. And it's okay to be number three, but we could be better because uh, with your help. If yeah, you could, if you we to need vote. to be number two, definitely. Uh, right. Vote.freetalklive.com is where you need to go. It'll take you a minute of your time, and it makes a big difference for us. And it's free, of course. All right. So to the phones we go. Let's talk to Dave in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Gentlemen. Hey, Dave. Hey, Dave. Ian, with regard to the environment, uh, this wasn't really why I called, but I did want you to know that um, – that your line that you used a while back, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but that whole idea of if we want to protect the environment, why would we give anything over to the government to be protected? Yeah, right. And if you know, and using the Anwar as an example, that's what happens when you give something to the government, and it's the number one polluter. The federal government is the number one polluter in the United States, and that's- there's no suing them. If they really right. screw something up and pollute something, like uh, the guy that called in earlier, he actually sent me his uh, his article. That he was referencing, and it's a six-page-long expose on this toxic dumping that the military did for decades, and it's really just sick. But you can't sue anybody. None of those military officials, whoever authorized that program, could possibly be, uh, get in trouble, even if they're still around. Correct. Because of sovereign immunity, which is essentially the doctrine that states that government is immune from lawsuits. That is one of those things that really turns the light bulb on for lefties and environmentalists. And the other thing, too, government probably, I'm assuming the federal government probably is involved in some form or fashion in funding animal research. Maybe so. The thing that clicks the button with lefties, they realize they're funding animal torture more than likely. Ooh, yeah. And you know what? That reminds me of a point I wanted to make, but it slipped my mind in the last segment. If the environmentalist types, who are very well organized, there are so many different environmental groups, and they always, you know, they're always out doing something. Um, and I think that's great and everything that they're well organized and they've got a, a good uh, base of supporters. If they would turn their efforts from lobbying government to, pri- to doing things on a private basis, I think they would find much more success with actually saving the environment. If they were 
for instance, if they were to, instead of lobbying, spend their money on purchasing lands and taking care of them. Like just buying up huge plots of land and keeping them pristine, keeping them in the conditions that they would like to see them in. I think that would be much more effective, don't you? Yeah, and some of them do that. Like there's some folks near Colorado Springs that adopted a lot of land between it and Denver, as I understand. Yeah, I believe the Nature Conservancy, Audubon Society, I think those are a couple of the groups that do that. Yeah. So I think I actually was main main reason I was calling was just to to remind our listeners not to forget Lauren Canario, uh, who has been uh, um, uh, detained now for, uh, I guess, um, about 50 days. Yeah, going on 50. In uh, New London, Connecticut, for uh, protesting imminent domain there by uh, sitting on a porch that they were trying to take. Now, I know you certainly haven't forgotten her. You're one of the most active uh, people that are, are working in her defense or working on her side. You've been calling the judge. What are some of the actions that you've been taking that maybe some other people can duplicate? Well, uh, do you want to see the main actions that can be taken? Go to nhfree.com and just click on the – up at the top it says nhfree.com action items. Um, and uh, that's the full list. But some of the things that that includes that, that I've been doing is, yeah, calling the judge. I usually call and I never get through to him. But of course not. To his uh, clerk, and I always leave her a one-sentence message, usually a quote from the Constitution or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I hope to, to never leave them alone. But I really I, – I, it's not good that I'm the – doing the most, or I'm not doing the most, probably Kat's doing the most, but I'm doing a lot, and I really shouldn't be so far to the the front of the pack, because I'm not doing enough, no Hmm. one can do enough. Well, if everybody, if a lot of people do just a little bit, that'll make a big difference. Yeah, that's true, and that's what we need, if we had that, she'd already be out, Um, but I just urge listeners, you don't have to make a huge sacrifice, so please go to nhfree.com, go to the top, click on the action items, see what you can do there uh, up toward the top. Well, hopefully... um, Hopefully, come uh, this Monday, we won't be having to take similar actions in your case, uh, Dave, because you're going to a courtroom on Monday morning, aren't you? Yes, I am. I will. Uh, I will be uh, in a similar situation to Lauren in some ways, uh, although I haven't. Uh, I haven't tried to get arrested or anything like that. Well, you were duplicating what uh, lo- what Russell Canning did earlier this year. He attempted to go to an IRS office and hand out some information to the IRS bureaucrats. He was arrested before he even went uh, was able to enter the office, and that's because he um, announced his intentions in advance. He announced them on the NHFree.com bulletin board system there, and I guess the federal agents they have admitted to monitoring the NHFree.com bulletin board system, so they saw his announcement in advance. They were waiting for him. They knew he was coming, and they arrested him and threw him in jail for something like two over two weeks um, simply because he was trying to hand out a piece of paper to the IRS employees. And that was outrageous enough as it was, but you decided that you were essentially going to show the feds that this wasn't over, that Russell wasn't the only person involved here, and then so you essentially went out unannounced. You just sort of appeared at, a, at an IRS office with uh, doing one of your, I guess, trademark si- uh, silent protests. You handed a couple of sheets of information to some IRS employees, and now they're going to be, uh, they attempted to fine you, and I don't know if there's a charge that's being leveled against you, but you're, you are expected apparently to appear in court because you have not paid the fine. So I don't really know what, I mean, do you know what to expect here on Monday morning? Oh, I wouldn't claim to know exactly. Um, there are a lot of different options that, that, that could happen, but I don't really expect to be jailed. Maybe they will jail me. Um, you know, I would just say, you know, if they, if they want to turn me into the next Russell Canning, they can push me really hard and make me the next Russell Canning. But I don't see that that, that that's really in their interest. Um, I'm not really trying to do that. I wasn't trying to get arrested. I did leave when they told me to. Right. The charge is distribution of handbills. 
that's what they're coming after me for. Which it's is, like a $125 fine. Which is, of course, it. outrageous. I mean, it's outrageous to suggest that the federal government has a charge of uh, that. I mean, this is a First Amendment issue. Right. I mean, if it, you, have, it, you know, like I say, I always say I've been charged with petitioning my government or petitioning the government for a redress of grievance. Right. That's what I'm charged with, essentially. The word distribution of handbills could easily be paraphrased into the First Amendment. It's it's absolutely outrageous, and and I'm planning on. I, I hope Mark, uh, we can both maybe go up that way and and attend on Monday morning and in support of you, Dave, because this is uh, there's some key differences between what you did and what Russell did. Russell announced his intentions in advance, um, and he sort of intended to get arrested as well. He he walked in with the the knowledge that that could very well be an outcome, and it was probably an expected outcome. And he didn't go to the courtroom when they demanded that he go to the courtroom. So they sent the federal agents after him at his house and arrested him and hauled him in front of the court. So you're doing some things differently. You just sort of appeared at the IRS office, and you are going to be going to the court when they requested that you go. So I I wonder if the political types have had anything negative to say about what you've been doing. Because when Russell got in trouble, all of the, there were some political um, individuals in New Hampshire that were in an uproar about it. Say, you know, they were just angry at Russell for making them look bad, et cetera, et cetera. And have you heard any of that backlash uh, in your case? No. Uh, the political folks are more supportive of this one. Uh, but, they, uh, but also, I wouldn't say, I don't think what I'm doing is generating the same kind of excitement as what Russell did. Um, uh, you know, I guess you, you, to get more support from the, if you get more support from the political types, you get less excitement from the other folks. But uh, the folks do seem to be relatively excited about it, so that's a real honor. And well, I think that uh, speaking of political types, there's at least one state rep that said he's going to be there, um, and um, I have a couple of you know former state reps that I've invited that might or might not show up. Great. Um, so you know there'll be some there'd be some definite political types that will be there. Well, I hope to uh, I hope to be talking to you about your experience on the air on Monday night instead of just having to recount uh, the, how they threw you in jail. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for possible. the call, Dave. We appreciate it as always, sir. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The packet a toll free line for you. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You're looking pensive, Mark. I'm realizing that we're sliding farther and farther down the uh, podcast alley's rankings. We're oh, not, yeah, number, we're not three. number three anymore. No, we're number four. Oh, my and, goodness. Um, are those Harry Potter podcasts the ones that are... Uh, yes, it's the Potter us? cast and the Muggle cast yeah. are the ones that are getting us. And you know, uh, you, you know, it's not like they've had a movie out recently. There's no book out. There's another one coming, though. There's always another book or another movie. Well, of course there is. If I was writing writing those books and making those movies, there would never be any end to them. If I had to hire somebody to write the next book, I wouldn't care. To be fair, they've got a larger audience probably than we do. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's Harry Potter, after all. Harry Potter's uh, an excellent book series. I've enjoyed the movies. I don't know why one would care about a podcast about it, nor um, I haven't seen any of the movies. Apparently, the, the fans are total... Obsessive fan, I mean, they're really into it. Well, I've read the whole book series. Um, yeah. I think I, I may have um, pretty pretty much the whole book series. I haven't bothered to go see the movie. I mean, how does one make that step across? I don't know. But anyway, it doesn't matter because we've got uh, something like two thousand people that listen to the show via podcast every night, which would be more than enough if every one of you wanted and actually voted. Please dominate. Vote.freetalklive.com. Hour number three is on the way. You take control. We'll talk about a uh, bad student coming up. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's a packet 8 toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features you will find are completely free. Unlike those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you 5 bucks, 7 bucks for their website per month. We give it away at freetalklive.com. As we go to a story about a very, very bad young man. Well, at least according to his principal. According to Bloomberg, Tyler Stoken was a well-behaved fourth grader who enjoyed school. He earned A's and B's and performed well on standardized tests. In May of 2005, he'd completed five of the six days of the Washington State Assessment of Student Learning Exam called WASL, part of the WASL, part of the state's No Child Left Behind test. Then Tyler came upon this question. Remember, this is a really good kid up until this point. Here's the question. While looking out the window one day at school, you notice the principal flying in the air. In several paragraphs, write a story telling what happens. The nine-year-old was afraid to answer the question about his principal, Olivia McCarthy. I didn't want to make fun of her, he says, explaining that he was taught to write the first thing that entered his mind on the state writing test. In this case, Tyler's initial thoughts would have been embarrassing and mean. So even after repeated requests by school personnel and ultimately the principal herself, Tyler left the answer space blank. He didn't want them to know what he was thinking, that she was a witch on a broomstick, says Tyler's mother, (laughs) Amanda Wolf, sitting next to her son in the family's ranch home three blocks from the elementary school in Aberdeen, Washington. Because Tyler didn't want to answer the question. The principal, Ms. McCarthy, suspended him for five days. Which, of course, is only going to intensify his belief that she might indeed a witch. be a witch. Uh, he recalls the principal reprimanding him by saying his test score could bring down the entire school's performance. Ah, uh, I wondered why the principal was so thoroughly invested in this boy answering this question. Tyler says McCarthy told him, Good job, bud. You've ruined it for everyone in the school, the teachers and the school. He cried. Aberdeen School District Superintendent Martin Kay ordered an investigation. My uh, suspension was for refusal to comply with a reasonable request and to teach Tyler that that could harm him in the future, said McCarthy to an investigator. I never for a second questioned my actions. Tyler, who's four feet tall and weighs 70 pounds, Hasn't been the same since, says his mom. He liked liked the principal before this, she says. He cried. He didn't understand why she'd done this to him. Well, Tyler, you need to understand that we're all a community together here at this school, and if you don't play ball with the rest of the community, we're all going to get in trouble, because that's how communism works. When one one of the pack is stepping out of line, everyone gets punished. And you don't want to punish your, your friends, do you, Tyler? Now fill in that question. He wouldn't do it. Now, of course, I made that up. Um, now Tyler blows up at the drop of the hat, his mother says. They created a monster. He'll never take that test again, even if I have to take him to another state, she says. Hey, psst, try a private school. You don't have to leave. <laughs> right. Tyler's attitude about school changed. He became more shy. He's afraid of all the, all of tests, all of the tests and doesn't do as well in classes anymore, says his mom. McCarthy's May 6, 2005 letter to Tyler's mother detailed her son's suspension. 
The fact that Tyler chose to simply refuse to work on the WASL after many reasonable requests is none other than blatant defiance and insubordination, according to the principal. In the letter, she accused Tyler of bringing down the average score of the other ten students in his class. As we have worked so hard this year to improve our writing skills, this is a particularly egregious wound. Right, he didn't do what I told him to do, and the, he's going to have to pay. God. You realize, of course, that if the this... Hubris. You, well, yeah, you realize, though, if there was no government school system, there wouldn't be this stupid average school score versus the other schools to compete for funding, which is what the issue is here, right? Because if they don't get a certain score... Um, they won't get the federal government money, or they won't get the state money, or whatever money it is that's being suspended over their head at the given moment. And so, therefore, they, they have this incentive to push these kids uh, too far and to possibly harm them psychologically. I think case. that that may be what happened right here. That is what happened. But if it was a private school, then those incentives wouldn't be there. The private school would have the money from each individual parent who is paying in direct to fund their children. Right. And so, therefore, they wouldn't have any higher authority to answer to. They wouldn't have the No Child Left Behind Act to answer to. All they'd, answer, all they'd be answering to would be the parents. So if Tyler didn't want to answer a question on a test, his test score would suffer, and then his parents might have a few words to say to him about it. And that would be it. So it's all the government's fault what's happened here. All the stupid centralization of authority, centralization of power, all of their dumb rules, all this one-size-fits-all nonsense that continues to go on in the government school system. That's what is to blame. Is anybody a fan of these uh, standardized tests? That, the government uh, bureaucrats apparently are. Some are, and then some aren't. I don't think that the uh, teachers themselves are big fans of them, but then again... They're, they're, they're not opposing them enough to actually stop them? I mean, if the teachers weren't that big of fans, they could say... Flip you. We're not going to do these tests. What are you going to do? Make us? You can't fire us. We've got tenure. The teachers could take a stand on this, but obviously most of them support it because it's money. Our school needs money, Mark, and well, the, if the school gets money, we might they get want a the raise. Schools, they want the schools to have the money without the accountability, generally, but uh, I, can see where, well, I can see what you're saying. Her accusation was wrong, by the way, this, uh, the principal accusing him of bringing down the average score of the class. Apparently, there is no averaging of the writing scores. Each student either meets or fails the state standard. Tita Mallory, director of curriculum and assessment for the school district, says school officials feel tremendous pressure because of the high-stakes tests. While there's no academic effect on elementary school children taking the exams, there can be repercussions for school administrators. So, Ms. McCarthy was more concerned about her own career than she was about anything else. Uh, so there can be rec repercussions for the administrators when schools repeatedly fail to show adequate yearly progress as defined by the you No know, Child Act. The principal can be fired. So actually, <laughs> by not participating in the, uh, the question, he was putting her job at risk. Maybe what the reason she was flying through the air is because she got the boot and it was uh, <laughs> knocking her across the playground on her way to the car <laughs> one last time. <laughs> Mallory says, uh, this is his mom, or no, this is a bureaucrat. In many ways, there's too much emphasis on the test. Well, no, duh. She says, I don't want that kind of pressure on our kids. Out of the 74,000 fourth graders taking the WASL last year, 42% failed to meet the state standard for writing. Wow. Fourth graders? 42% didn't meet the standard. 
Amazing. And Juanita Doyen, directors of Mothers Against Wassel and the author of Not With Our Kids You Don't, Ten Strategies <laughs> to Save Our Schools, says Tyler's experience is representative of what's wrong with tests like the Wassel. She says they took a student who loved his school and crushed his spirit. We've elevated test scores to be the most important part of school. The principals and teachers are so pressured by the test, they've lost good sense in dealing with the children. And I think she's pretty much right about that. Um, as more of these standardized tests have come about, and I'm not even somebody with kids in the system. I don't even have a, a ball in play, if you will. But just from what we've seen over time with the stories about school and these tests, it apparently is the case that teachers are teaching to the test. Like they're, why wouldn't they? Doesn't right. that make sense? No, it does make sense, and it's sad. You know, they're teaching kids test-taking techniques and tips, and teaching them, you know, exactly what they need to know to pass the test, regardless of whether or not it's actually going to be important later on in life. It's all about getting this passing grade so they can continue getting the government funding, the government money. Well, I... and, and our kids are suffering. I mean, that's obviously what's going to happen, is every time you give us some kind of standardized test like this, I mean, there's classes out there to, to take the SAT and the ACT and all that other stuff. Um, is Obviously, the idea of the SAT and the ACT is that it's testing how well you've learned in high school, not how well you've studied for the test. Let's go to the phones. Josh in Kentucky, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Josh. Man, they traumatized that kid, didn't they? Yeah, poor little guy. What's on your mind, Josh? Uh, I didn't want to talk about that. That's but, okay. Uh, it's Free Talk Live. You bring up what you want. All right. My parents just got home, and they went to this uh, homeowners association thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you want me to just wait until the break's over? Well, what? Uh, just sell it. Sell it, man. Okay. Why okay. should somebody uh, hang through? What happened at the meeting? Oh, well, they they came and they told me that, uh, that I couldn't, like, go outside at night anymore because... They're going to start like, enforcing oh boy. Kind of curfew. Oh, boy. we get the details from you. Hang on. 800-259-9231. Is this a private curfew? It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, Monday edition of the show, Inside Hour 3. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet A toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Everything on the site is totally free. That, again, is freetalklive.com, including the live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version as well for your listening convenience. Totally free. freetalklive.com. And register now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. This February 23rd to 25th, meet libertarian superstars like John Stossel, Michael Badnarik, and many more. The most influential libertarians in America will be there. And as a matter of fact, you and I are going to be broadcasting live from the Liberty Forum. So well, it is the most influential libertarians in America. Uh, libertarian, oh, excuse me, freestateproject.org slash libertyforum is the website to learn more and get registered. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. As we go back to Josh in Kentucky, you're back on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. So apparently your parents went to a homeowners association meeting. Was it last night, Josh? Josh in Kentucky? Oh, don't tell me we've lost Josh. No, hello? He's here. Okay, good. Okay. All right. So it was par- tonight. It, it was, was like an hour ago. Okay, so they just got back, and there's some sort of a curfew? What, what's going on here? Yeah, they didn't give me the details, but they said that like I couldn't walk around the neighborhood anymore at night because, like, uh, I don't know, like, they didn't even tell me why. Like, there's, I mean, there's no crime here, really, that I know of. Maybe it's there was. Free. Maybe somebody's house got broken into or something like that. Maybe, but, I mean, I should, I'm like, I'm 17. I should be able to, you know, 
walk around the streets if I want. So what's the, what is exactly the rule that uh, people under the age of 18 are not allowed to walk around after a certain time at night? I don't know the specifics about it, but they just came in and told me that like I couldn't walk around, and I said that uh, that I was going to anyway. Is there is there security in the neighborhood? I don't know. There might be. There's... Well, now wait a minute. You don't know? I mean, is this a gated neighborhood? Is uh, is it an upper? Well, I mean, they could like hide in the shadows or something. They could hide in the shadows. Yeah, where they, you know, they watch you and you can't see them. Well, it usually you know that there's security. I mean, is, there's no gate, right? No. Okay. As far as I know, there's not. Okay, because normally security comes along with a gated neighborhood, though I suppose there are some neighborhoods that aren't gated that also have, you know, like the Wacken Hut security guy uh, driving around in a security vehicle. It's it's very unlikely they're hiding in the shadows. But if there's no security people around, who's going to enforce the uh, the rules? I don't know. That's what I was wondering. But, uh, like, I don't usually go out at night, but now that they tell me that, I'm going to do it every night. I'm just mm. going to do it just to break it. Well, I think that um, I, I would say that as a homeowners association, they're completely within their rights to uh, limit people walking, limit limit people under the age of eighteen walking around. The I would agree they are. But I have to say that it's um, it's a cheap shot because I don't think that a uh, male, you know, an eighteen year old male walking around, or you know, um, is any more dangerous than a nineteen year old male walking around. I agree. Um, Which case we should ban all males from walking around the neighborhood. But, you know, at least males under the age of uh, <laughs> thirty. Yeah. But the problem is that uh, you know there might be a 28-year-old homeowner who's actually in the association, mm-hmm. so it's a it's a cheap shot and um, one that I, I I think that people took uh, rashly and because they could. Yeah, well, it's easy to to attack the kids, right? Yeah. They can't stand up for themselves. I mean, what if I need to go somewhere and I can't drive and it's nighttime? Yeah, yeah. I would be. I'm very curious. What if you want to get some exercise and that's yeah. the best time for you? It's I th- certainly cooler I think it's at night. Probably a fairer uh, question than anything. Well, good luck, Josh, and let us know what happens. I mean, I can't imagine, if they don't have a security force, I can't imagine what's going to happen here, because can the police, can the government police enforce private uh, you know, private rules like that? I, mean, I don't know, but I'm going to see. I'm going to break it every night. All right, good luck, man, and thank you for the update. We appreciate Thanks. hearing from you. We're interested in finding out what yeah. happens. 800-259-9231. I mean, I suppose, and that's the uh, Packet A toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. I suppose the... For instance, if you've got a hotel and some troublemaker comes in and you don't have your own security, obviously you can call the government police to come into your hotel and eject somebody. So does that apply, though, on a, a neighborhood level? I, I guess. I, I, I don't know. It, it's inter- It's an interesting question. In I, this I don't know. Right. I mean, if it's not a gated community, I would think that there's a good chance that the sidewalks and that sort of thing are indeed uh, easement zone for uh, you know partially government owned property like like ours are around here and so therefore don't you have the ability to walk on those well i i don't know i think very interesting generally what happens with them is is that the government demands well if we're going to give you zoning to build your little house thing there we're gonna you know your group of houses you're gonna have to build a bunch of roads Mm -hmm. and then you have to give those roads to us us. That's how they do it. Yeah. I'm not kidding you. Um, they, they give you the specs on the roads, how you have to build the roads, you know, how many gutters mm-hmm. you got to put in there, you know, where the, where the culverts have to, the whole deal. And then you have to give them to the government. <laughs> and I would assume that the easements go with it. Yeah. So, um, 
Well, we'll see if uh, we'll see what happens. I, you know, it's it's a dangerous game trusting the government to protect your freedom in this particular circumstance. To the Center for Small Government at centerforsmallgovernment.com, their uh, weekly newsletter, which is excellent, by the way, excer- excerpting it, uh, excerpting this from there. Uh, Michael Cloud talking about the collectivist tax back fallacy. He always has some interesting pointers. The Lone Ranger and Tonto woke up one morning to find themselves surrounded by thousands of Indians <laughs> on the warpath. Yeah, let's get the Indians down, Mark. Come on. Uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah. We're gonna get in trouble. Somebody's <laughs> gonna write us for that crap. <laughs> Lone. <laughs> what? Hey, hey, white man. Woman, want to hear me make a white man noise? <laughs> <laughs> we have trouble, Tonto said the Lone Ranger. What do you mean, we, white man? <laughs> Which I think is great, said Tonto. I know exactly how the Lone Ranger felt, and so do you. You and I pay taxes and other costs of big government, but you and I do not get equivalent privileges and benefits. We are taxpayers, but we are not tax paid. In big government politics, the word we is used in order to mislead us. For instance, why should Arizonans complain about federal taxes, asked the local politician. We get back $1.30 for each dollar we spend to wa- send to Washington. Or, I don't know what that means. Virginians have no cause to whine about federal taxes, said the politician. We receive $1.66 from the federal government for every $1 we give. When you say you don't know what that means, what part are you confused about? Well, um, I, I'd be interested in knowing uh, you know, what the number was for whatever state that I happen to be in whenever. And I would venture to say that I don't get that kind of number back. Mm, indeed. And so goes the big government propaganda for taxpayers and voters in the states where federal spending is higher than tax collections. New Mexico, Alaska, Alaska, West Virginia, Mississippi, North Dakota, Alabama, Hawaii, Montana, South Dakota, and others. The same claim is made on the state and local level. We get back $3 from the state government for every dollar we pay in state taxes, bragged the local politician. I'm bringing home the bacon. We make a profit on state taxes, chirped the state legislator. We haul in $2 for every $1 we ship the state treasury. If you were naive, you might say, we're doing great. Where's my tax profit? What do you mean, we, taxpayer? And that's the dirty little secret behind the big government, we. That's the collectivist tax-back fallacy. We includes you when it comes to taxes and costs imposed by the government, meaning you got to pay. But we excludes you when it comes to privileges and benefits given by the government. Big government backers Except use Except the... for roads, right? Like, that's always the thing. When you say, well, we could just do away with taxes. But what about the roads? Mm-hmm. People would die without stoplights. 1-800-259-9231. The toll-free number, Packet 8 toll-free line, 800-259-9231. We'll explore this whole we concept in a little more detail on the way. Your calls about anything. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up whatever you want toll-free. 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231. Dean here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We are asking you to participate in our listener poll. 
which right now is poll.freetalklive.com. The question is, how old are you? Simple. We just want to know. Just curious about our listener demographics. We sort of already kind of knew the answer, but well, now we know a little bit more for sure. You know, I'm... I'm even I'm scared of the poll for the reason that uh, for for the information that we found out because now um not only is talk radio a male demographic mm-hmm. in general but um you know I would imagine that uh, the internet is probably a little is skewed younger yeah sure. so there you're looking at uh, people being on our site being young males mm-hmm. um, just from that and then you look at BBSs and the pe- the the people that spend more time on BBS. Would spend enough time to spend any time on BBSs, yeah. on the internet on BBSs. And I would say that'd be a young male demographic. And then our show, be, I would imagine, is young young male demographic. And the numbers have shown up 18 to uh, eighteen to 44 at like 75% of the respondents. Mm. Um, so, so there I, you go. I don't even know if it's over-representing now. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. It's interesting nonetheless. If it you want to participate. Thank poll, you. For, please participate. Right. Poll.freetalklive.com. You do have to be registered on the BBS to participate, but that's easy to do, and it's it free. Is easy. So poll.freetalklive.com. Talking about, uh, as Michael Cloud from the Center for Small Government calls it, the collectivist tax-back fallacy. You might have heard a local or state-level politician saying things like this. We get back $3 from the state government for every dollar we pay in state taxes. But what do they mean by we? We includes you when it comes to taxes and costs imposed by the government. Better but believe it. it excludes you when it comes to privileges and benefits given by the government. Big government backers use the word we to make you believe that you won. To make you feel like you're getting your fair share of the payoff. If you're one of six people who put in six, uh, $20 each to buy lottery tickets, then we bought the tickets. And if one of the tickets wins, we won, means you actually collect your fair share of our payout. Not so with a big government we. You and I are part of the we that are forced to pay high taxes, but you and I are not part of the we that profiteers from government spending. So when you hear that we get back more tax money from the federal government than we paid, count your money. You paid, say, $15,000 in federal income taxes, Social Security taxes, Medicare taxes, tariffs, gas taxes, phone taxes, and more. How much money did you get back from the federal government? When a big government backer tells you that we receive much more tax money from the state government than we pay in taxes... Do the math. You paid, say, another 10000 on your state sales taxes, income taxes, property taxes, gas taxes, cigarette and liquor taxes, business taxes, death estate taxes, motor vehicle registration and license tax fees, and more. How much money did you actually get back from your state government? Big government politicians and pundits are trying to convince you and me that the health of the collective is the health of the individual. That the prosperity of the community is the prosperity of the individual. Don't let big government conservatives sweet-talk you into believing that the big government liberals are the guiltiest ones. Big government conservatives, moderates, and liberals are all selling the same snake oil. Collectivist groupthink. They want you to buy the lie that your high taxes are the group's high taxes. They want you to buy the lie that tax-funded payments to politically privileged individuals are payments to the group. But the group isn't the individual, and the individual is not the group. Remember this when big government backers try to persuade you that we profit from high federal or state taxes. 
Remember it when big government politicians tell you that we get more tax dollars than we give. And when big government candidates try to scare you into voting for them by telling you that we could lose this election unless we stick together, laugh, vote for the small government candidate, if there is one, right, and shout, what do you mean we, big government politician? From the Center for Small Government, centerforsmallgovernment.com. I love those guys. They, they're so good at just picking out the little subtleties of what the politicians say and just tearing them to, sh- tearing them to shreds. It's great and everything, but how often um, does, one, does one in an average uh, um, district get an opportunity to vote on the small government uh, candidate? Whenever there's a libertarian in the race. It's true. Or whenever there's somebody who acts like a libertarian who actually, you know, well, for instance... Here in New Hampshire, I was on um, Gardner Goldsmith's show on Friday, and some guy was filling in at that time, and they had a they had a couple politicians actually. Come, or they, I guess they've been having politicians on throughout the entire show, and I made the compliment. I gave the New Hampshire politicians the the compliment that they are more liberty oriented here in this state. Even the Republicans and Democrats are more liberty oriented. For instance, if you're a Democrat or a Republican in this state, you pretty much have to sign a pledge that says you won't. Um, institute an income or a sales tax in order to actually get elected around here because New Hampshireites just won't stand uh, for a, another tax well, being I, placed on them. They, so it's possible maybe that, so, but that's a bunch of crap. Okay, um, there is a sales tax in New Hampshire. Um, there's it's a food sales tax, but there's a everything sales tax. Look, there's what? a there's a, a sales tax on every car. There's like a destination charge, which is funny. Something like seven or eight mm-hmm. percent on the vehicle. For every house that's bought and sold, there's a transfer fee mm-hmm. on that house. Um, for all the out-of-home out of food dollar, there's an 8% food tax. Right. I mean, when you start adding those things up, you're talking about almost all the dollars spent. I mean, well, the, the, still two, not a, the two biggest expenses that you can put on, um, that, that you spend in, in your lifetime, are homes and cars. And they've so, got big taxes. And on. they have essentially sales taxes on those cars. But on, to be fair, there's no sales tax when you go to Walmart and buy some stuff. No, you can right. you can go and buy a, a, a Pepsi-Cola for 99 cents and get a penny back. Yeah. But man, how much Pepsi do you buy compared Me, to how much. many houses? I don't buy any. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just... Yeah, well, yes, it's not it's perfect less, here. I'm no. just pointing out that uh, what I was saying was that it's possible that a Republican or a Democrat can be liberty-minded. But only if they'll sign a statement that says they are or something like that. Right. Get them, hold them to it. You know, get them to sign the Center for Small Government's uh, pledge that essentially says, I will vote small government every issue, every time, no excuses. If you can get a Republican or a Democrat to sign that pledge, they're probably worth voting for. Because then, I mean, how many, how many of them will do it? I don't think they, they even understand it. <laughs> <laughs> they won't even understand it if they sign it. All right, so there you go. I, I love it when those guys just tear them up. And they, they make those claims. I've heard those claims been uh, being made before. Up here in New Hampshire, the claim's the reverse, because the New Hampshire politicians will claim, well, we spend a dollar and only get back 77 cents for every dollar we spend. So they, they claim it in reverse. And it's, it's just misinformation. It, it's got to be misinformation anyway, um, because... You know, for the dollar you spend, you have to pay these bureaucrats, these uh, middle-class oh, yeah. bureaucrats that are working in the government. Are you telling me that you really believe that your state is um, sending out a dollar towards, um, you know, the federal government, getting back a dollar fifty? Are you really that silly? Well, some states do get more than they than they than they send out. 
The they may very well. The governments yeah. are what are getting more. At which point it still trickles down through the state government, through right. their middle class bureaucrats. How many cents on the dollar at that point does the, the do even sure. goes through programs? Yeah, well, even if you could make the argument that some people are being helped by this money, you could make a much more powerful argument that more people would be helped if it weren't, weren't being filtered through the bureaucracies. I mean, there's a chunk taken off here, a chunk taken off there, a chunk taken off over there, and then maybe it'll eventually get to somebody that might actually need it for some sort of an assistance, like in a welfare program or something like that. But even then, you're dealing with uh, people scamming the system, you're dealing with, you know, as far as the people actually receiving the government aid, how many of them are actually in need versus how many know how to work the system? It, in all likelihood, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how many are in need. The thing is, is it still hurts the people that are in need. If you take somebody who's poor and you give them government assistance, the chances are good that all you're going to do is create a government assistance addict. Yeah. I mean, if I'm poor and, and you're going to give me a check for, I don't know, 1500 bucks a for month. For doing nothing. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to be able to survive on that, but I'm never going to thrive on that kind of pay. But I'm never going to go get a job or whatever it takes. Yeah, why? why beyond, because you... I'd stop getting my $1,500 right, check. You might only make 1200 a month if you got a job. <laughs> you might make less and you'd be working then. So there's an incentive to do nothing. 800-259-9231, the Packet A toll-free line for you to take control of the airwaves. Bring up what you want. 800-259-9231. Mark's got something about God coming up. The show is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, and this is the Monday edition. Still enough time for your call if you make it now. 1-800-259-9231. That's the Packet A toll-free line. 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And, of course, you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com, the place to go to experience everything for free. Those other radio talk show hosts want to charge you for access to their membership features. Well, we give away all the same features that they charge for and more. In fact, I uh, posit that ours is the most extensive of all radio talk show websites, freetalklive.com. I would say that it's true. And uh, though if you do want to voluntarily support us, we have a way for you to do that. It's called AMP. You go to amp.freetalklive.com, become a Free Talk Live amplifier, like over 300 now. We have crossed the 300 marker, which is exciting. Like over 300 of our listeners have done. We're uh, vastly approaching or uh, quickly approaching the $2,000 a month point, which is also exciting as well. Because uh, that that would make us a fifth of the way towards our final goal, Mark. Which is great, because the point of the AMP program is to get Free Talk Live to more new listeners, to get it on more radio stations around the country, to get new internet listeners on board. And how we're doing that is we take in your $3 a month, and the $3 a month of everybody else that's contributing, and we turn it into advertising for the show. Hence the name Advertise, Market, and Promote. And it's getting it's working. It's getting new stations on board, and you can see the details about how the money is spent, how it all works, amp.freetalklive.com. Great way to help support the show, and it's totally voluntary. So, let's go to the email box, Mark. I believe you and I both received the same email. and uh, well, That happens now and then. Yeah. But uh, I, particu- I kind of like this one from uh, Josh. This is why I don't believe that the Christian God, who I'll just refer to as God in this email is a loving, merciful, omnipotent God, as most Christians, especially the evangelical ones, will claim he is. And have now, they don't all claim that. He does make the point of saying most Christians, and I think that's, that typically is what I've heard. He's, he's God the Father. He loves everybody, etc., etc. And that's what he's going to address here. I, I, I think that uh, he, he makes a, a very valid point here, and um, I don't know if that it's uh, necessarily just targeted even evangelical Christians. I think that mm-hmm. this may be something that uh, goes across the board. Um, let's see. 
I think that uh, he will claim that he is, in fact, a uh, merciful uh, God where, and also have hell exist at the same time. If God's omnipotent, as most mainstream Christians will claim, and knows everything about you, your life, your decisions, who you are before you're born and after you die, before your parents are even conceived or thought of and willingly creates you, then he already knows that you're going to choose what you're going to choose and has decided your fate for you, eliminating free um, will and the ability to make a choice. This is where I question his assertions. Because I wonder, do most Christians believe that to be the case? Most Christians don't look at predestination versus uh, free will very thoroughly. Um, it's just something that they don't jump into. I remember that I didn't really look at it. Um, I mean, if you, I would have believed that I had free will, but it doesn't make any sense. If God's omnipotent, then do most uh, Christians believe that He's omnipotent? Yeah, they believe He's omnipotent, okay. omniscient, and I'm just wondering if His assertions are actually what most Christians believe. I, it's absolutely yes. Okay, I would say that that, that most Christians believe that He's all powerful, right. all knowing, and ever all present. They, that He's everywhere, all power. You know, He's yes. every molecule. Yes, I've heard that claim made. Yes, this is this is my his my history as a Christian. When I was a Christian, this is what I was as I understood it as well. So and He also sure exists outside of time as well as inside of time. Mm. So, um, it. And it really gets convoluted. This is where I, f I feel like it kind of falls apart. You can't have free will and be you can't believe in free will in Christianity, as far as I can understand. Okay. I used to, but, but it's because I didn't look at it. But don't don't they also claim that he gives you free will? Yes. It's just so not it's, accurate. Okay. How could it be? If God is omnipotent and the mainstream Christians will claim and knows everything about you, okay. Let's take Ian for example. Okay. Ian um, is a strong atheist. God knew long well, according to the Christians, since, um, since his existence before Ian was born, that Ian would choose the path of atheism as his personal belief, mainly because that's what Ian's reason um, and thought led him to believe, and not because he wanted to openly deny God's existence. Somehow or another, he just can't believe in God. He, couldn't, um, he could only do good—he um, could only go by what his conscience uh, has allowed him— when then, when, how then can a loving uh, God, a merciful, omnipotent God, if he created Ian, knowing full well that Ian would eventually deny him and his son, Jesus Christ, and end up spending full eternity in hell before mm. Ian was ever conceived, God knew that Ian would end up burning in hell for not accepting him. Uh-oh. So why did God create Ian? Is it huh. because he's cruel, sadistic? God, um, who lets pleasure, who gets pleasure from messing with the minds of men and seeing them burn in hell forever, he just and wanted ever, to not send for somebody to hell. The correct path. I or, see. Or is it because he gave us the illusion of free will and said, "Here you go, now go forth and multiply," but knows that we're his robotic servants without telling us. Now I've um, heard from many evangelical Christians that God doesn't want robotic servants that would only choose him and worship him all day and night, but wanted instead to give us choice in the matter. Mm-hmm. It seems that this is not the case with a loving, merciful, omnipotent God who advocates the use of a place like hell. So I've come to a few conclusions. One, God is in fact loving, merciful. Um, he created us with free will and gave it to man, but is not omnipotent. He didn't know that Ian would choose atheism and left his choice entirely up to um, Ian as an individual. Hell exists, and Ian was sent um, to it by a shocked God of his own choice. If God is not omnipotent, then he is not an all-powerful God. Therefore, he is just being a just being a with a limited power, with a, a lot of limited power. Evangelical Christians were wrong. Ah. Also, he wouldn't be a loving God if he creates, uh, you know, this test and sends you to hell 
based on how you do in the test. If you didn't know the test existed, and the only people to tell you that the tests um, existed were more people, more you know, bags of bones like you. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who why would they know more than you? Sure. So that's ridiculous. Um, I mean, th- his his point there doesn't make. I I, I exclude that one. Okay. And Not I'm sure an option. He, yeah, I'm sure he doesn't like that one either. Two, God is an evil, sadistic, omnipotent God who created Ian, knowing full well that Ian would deny his existence. And others. He did this so that he would take pleasure in watching Ian go through life, thinking everything about his beliefs were fine and dandy, and try to live his life the best of his ability without God, always searching for the truth and not worrying about what happens after he dies, then getting the shock of his life when Ian um, denied with the um, undeniable truth that God does exist, and now he's sending Ian to an everlasting lake of fire to burn for all, all eternity. God is actually evil and evil. Ah, yeah, I do exist, and you should have believed in me, but I always knew you wouldn't, so ha <laughs> go to hell. And basically. God is actually evil, and evangelical Christians are wrong. Three, hmm. God is a loving, merciful, omnipotent God and treats all his children with the same dignity and respect. None are sent to a place of everlasting torment, but consoled and counseled in his presence. All are washed clean and bask in all of his power, um, powerful, merciful glory. Everyone lives in everlasting peace and happiness. Nice. The Quakers and the Amish and such are right. Now, I don't believe the Am- I believe the Amish believe in hell. Hmm. Um, I don't know about Quakers, and, and I'm going to look into that particular uh, statement. Evangelical Christians are wrong. Uh, number four. God doesn't exist. All yeah, but maybe are the wrong. maybe the Amish well, no, maybe the Amish don't believe in hell for um non for uh, maybe the Amish only believe in hell for people that do bad things. No, I think the uh, no no Christians so believe Amish, Christians believe that you go to hell if you don't accept Jesus Christ as mm-hmm. your personal Lord and Savior. I don't believe that there's anyone that believes that um hell exists for for bad uh, people for bad people that do bad things. I see. Um, there are those that believe that hell only exists for Satan and his minions, which is what they really talk about in the, the Bible. I they see. talk about a lake of fire for it's sort of a Jewish tradition. Mm-hmm. Hell isn't really documented very well in the Bible, not as not as well as it's uh, being some used things. as a scare tactic, essentially, to get mm-hmm. people to sign up for the religion. Yeah, and you know, I'm not saying that the Bible is the truth either. No, it's an old book. I just I, I have to say that I think that uh, number three is the closest. I don't even know if there's one creative being, if there's many, or if we're all collective portions of that creative being's mind, or yeah, well, whatever. And you'll probably never find out because I'm going to die and go to the ground, and, uh-huh. and uh, dirt, worms are going to eat me, uh-huh. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, your belief so. sucks. <laughs> I mean, it just stinks. I mean, no, who it doesn't. Would... I just I have a lack of belief. But do you understand why that? It like, I'm stink. going to go in the ground and get eaten by worms stinks. You won't know it. I mean, you're not going to feel the worms biting at your uh, right. but leftovers. It's not the worms, Ian. It's that um, the nihilistic pointlessness of existence. I didn't say it was uh, pointless. I didn't say existence was pointless. You've got a limited amount of time to make a difference in this world, and then time's up. Why bother? Your worm well, food. Well, why don't you just go put a uh, gun in your mouth? I don't believe the c- stupid crap you believe. But wait a minute. If you believe that there's something coming afterwards, are you going to be punished if you s- commit suicide? I mean, if there's this I don't believe in punishment. holiness coming up afterwards, why not just bring it up quick? I believe Forget that, all this earthliness. I believe in um, that hell and heaven are what you, uh, what you create on earth. And I believe that really the okay. point of existence, of coming to this existence, uh-huh. is being in this existence. So you're like me then. You just you're just putting more flowery words around it. That's Fine. all. My life has meaning. Yours stinks. Your worm <laughs> my, food. My life has plenty of meaning. I'm making a difference. All right, we're done. It's Benny in here with you. And Mark. And so are you. You're making a difference too, Mark. If somebody can uh, feel free to give me an email on um, 
uh, whether or not, like the whole idea is that God. The, uh, no, can we have free choice? Like hmm. free choice in Christianity, because I just can't believe that it would exist. Or is God an evil God? We're done. No, we'll see you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, at freetalklive.com. 1-800-Flowers.com wants to remind you Thanksgiving is November the 23rd. Try the Harvest Glow centerpiece from 1-800-Flowers, either as a gift or to decorate your table this Thanksgiving. The small is $49.99, and the large is just $59.99. Call, click, or come in for fresh flowers and gourmet gifts delivered same day, any day. Use code FTL to save 10% on your next order. That's FTL for a 10% savings. 1-800-Flowers.com, your florist of choice for the holidays.